welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. Welcome to episode three of the Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where Darlene and I are continuing a conversation about how we define our relationship with the Bible. And specifically, our conversation partner in this series is the book, which, uh, of course, as soon as I say the book, I forget what the title of the book is, (laughs) but the book is... How the Bible Actually Works. By Peter Enns. Yes. It's amazing. We keep reading this book and it's uh, <laughs> it's so easy to forget about it. Um, just want to remind you listeners out there, if you would like to be a part of the conversation in a more engaged way, we invite you to pick up the book and we're just going to go chapter by chapter. I can assure you it's a really easy read. It's not, um, it's not difficult with you know, big vocabulary and stuff. And uh, it's quite actually, there's a lot of humor and, uh, and good story in it too. So it's worth picking up. So today's episode, we want to focus on chapter two, which is entitled, The Bible Doesn't Really Tell Us What to Do. And that's a good thing. And I want to begin by asking Darlene about um, that statement in the title. The Bible doesn't really tell us what to do. Is that really true? And if that's really true, that's actually a good thing. Sounds like a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, if, particularly if you've grown up in the church and um, kind of been steeped in in the Bible, I think that is is something that has always been very ingrained, that it has all the answers for us. We just have to find them. And I mean, for myself, I, I, I think that I've let go of that for a long time already. But this idea that Pete says that it's a good, it's a good thing is still, it's still a little mind blowing because, um, you know, if, if you don't think of the Bible as telling you what to do, you've kind of like maybe come to a point where, okay, it's not, it's not a real book. I get that. But that it's contradictions are a good thing. I've still always kind of been more, you know, ah, I hate that, that these contradictions are here and, and they make it have made it, I think for a lot of people easy to say, this is why I don't believe in the Bible. Because look at this, it says this here, and then it says that, the very opposite thing in the next chapter. And so this is exactly why it it doesn't have authority. And so I think Pete is really pushing on those contradictions are actually important. They're not a problem. They are, they're leading us somewhere. And l- let's not miss that. So let's push this a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about for, you know, your everyday person um, who is approaching... <laughs> like Our everyday you know, person. Kind of like us. We're, we're <laughs> kind of everyday. Um, we're looking for... Uh, we've got all kinds of different 
different challenges that we're facing. Like right now, the challenge that almost everybody has on their mind and they're forever trying to make decisions, trying to make wise decisions about how to interact in this COVID-19 reality. What's a safe thing to do? Should I wear a mask or shouldn't I wear a mask? Um, you know, should I connect to friends? Um, should we have a dinner or should we not do that? And if we do it, how do we do it? There's so many specific things. And like, does the Bible have something to say about how we should handle ourselves in a pandemic? <laughs> I mean, I've heard some people suggest that, well, you know, we're doing this all wrong. The people that we need to quarantine are the people that have the problem. And so, um, because that's what they did with lepers in the Bible. So how they treated lepers and leprosy in the Bible, that's now the way we should be treating COVID-19 because they're the same thing. Like, Yeah, I think, I think that's really a re very dangerous approach. Um, but what, 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 I, what I have seen through this pandemic is that everyone's looking for clarity and, and frustrated when there isn't clarity. Right. You know, we're looking for, uh, when we have watched these, sorry, news briefings and, you know, questions are asked and then, you know, the public health officers, they, they give us their quote answers and their answers are ambiguous. Hmm. And it's frustrating, I think. I've, you know, heard from other people, why can't they just be clear? And I, I, it's just an interesting thing to pay attention to because I think in a, inside of us, we do, we long for clarity. But one of the things that we have to come to terms with, I guess, is that, um, you know, there, there maybe isn't, things aren't as clear and it depends on the situation. It depends on what the various factors are with COVID-19 and also with the Bible that we kind of need to, I don't know, feel the futility of, ah, it's not clear. And I, and I really wish that some things could be clearer. Hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the particular areas that people look for guidance in uh, in their life and over the years have gone to the bible to find um some some way of dealing with that and so he he in in a in a short chapter um or sub chapter he has he has some great titles the the title of that one is screwing up your kids biblically which is all about how the bible speaks to parenting and uh, then he has a chapter called Fools and Finances, which deal with the ever important question of how do you deal with a fool? Um, in particular for us, the fool that we bump into on Facebook or on social media. And, uh, and our finances, how do we live um, in a, a biblical, w wise way with our finances? And uh, sounds like we don't come to a lot of clear answers dealing with those particular issues. And specifically, Pete is looking at the book of Proverbs, which, you know, at least on the face of it, seems like one of the more, um, there's a little bit more clarity there because it's actually telling us that this is a good thing to do. This is not a good thing to do. Yeah. And it's a prime example of um, a book that is considered a wisdom book and um, has 
clear contradictory statements. <laughs> and so, yeah, Pete is kind of um, raising some of those examples of, um, you know, where the Bible has a clear um, word about parenting in, um, you know, children obey your parents and everything. Um, this is acceptable, you know, and then Pete is kind Sounds of... Sounds like good advice. Right. But then, you if know... If you're a parent. <laughs> the parents love that. <laughs> you know, children obey. And that was definitely something that I picked up as a kid. You know, it was very important for me to obey my parents. And, and but is it okay, you know, should you obey your parents if they are abusive? Should you obey your parents, um, you know, in every situation? Like, I guess, I guess the big mm. thing around it is like, is here it says clearly, is there place for pushback? Is there place where this doesn't apply? Right. Right. And so, and so, um, there's, you know, examples in the very book of Proverbs where, where one verse says, do not answer fools according to their folly, or you will be a fool yourself. And then in the very next verse, answer fools according to their folly. So which one is it? Are we not supposed to answer to the fools or are we supposed to answer to the fool? And I just like to say for the record that I think I'm of the answer the fool school of thought <laughs> that, uh, I never like to let a foolish statement go unanswered. I feel like, I mean, sometimes I'd have to admit that sometimes I've made foolish statements, but I feel like, gosh, maybe it's my, it's part of my personality, but I find it very, very hard to stay silent when something happens that you seems foolish to me. That you perceive to be stupid. Yes. <laughs> I think stupid would be a, a synonymous word for, for foolish. And so these are these are the circumstances where it's like you you can see where it'd be like well it says it in the Bible you know and and if it affirms something we already feel then we can find you know evidence for it and we can use the Bible as a backup and like or as a as a weapon to kind of um, you know help give credence to what we already want to do. So I, what it reminds me of is this situation um, where somebody once once asked you, Ted, uh, well, it says in the Bible, you know, eye for an eye, right? Like, do you want to do you want to oh, actually yeah. tell that story? Yeah, this is one of my story. favorite uh, biblical interpretation encounters with a person, and this person um, just right before worship service took me aside and asked me the question, like, does it, does it not say in the Bible an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? And the question was asked, I could, I could sense the tone of, they really wanted me to, to affirm in them that an eye, and eye, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was actually in the Bible and was, was a good thing. And so um, I didn't really take the bait. And I said, well, yes, it does definitely say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But um, it also says that that's the way people used to think was the right way to go. And that now Jesus was bringing a, a different 
understanding of that idea and was saying that we should actually love our enemies and pray for those who persecute persecute us. To but which. this person this person wasn't really looking for that. <laughs> and so they just came back with, uh, okay, good. I, I thought it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was in the Bible. So um, now I know what to do with my neighbor who is bothering me right now. <laughs> so it's, but it's, it is actually, uh, like you made a really good point, Darlene, about how when, um, well, we, we brought up this, this idea last week that, uh, the big part of how we need to understand the Bible is that it's ancient, ambiguous, and diverse. And this is a good example in terms of the answering fool question, which is a pretty relevant question, I think, for us in our, in our day-to-day life. It's probably as relevant at that time, almost 4,000 years ago, as it is for us today, that this diversity of voice answer, don't answer, or even the ambiguity. I think, I think Pete N says that those scriptures are actually almost side by side. Yes. Like they're, they're one after another. And so if you were reading them as a part of a a reading, you would see both of them at the same time, that this is the very thing that gets people into having very different perspectives on issues. That while it says, clearly says, do not answer a fool. And then somebody on the other side says, well, it clearly says we should answer a fool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find ourselves in these disputes or these divisions around how we read the Bible. And uh, there seems to be some, there must be something more going on, Pete Enns is, is inviting us to. And not only that, he's saying, it might even be the point of right. the scripture that we have. Right. That it's an, an invitation to read a situation. So we read a situation, not the Bible, um, is what wisdom is about. We're, it, we, we're not just like, you know, here's, you know, plug in the question, get the right answer. That the sacred responsibility in a life of faith is to um, to enter in to our life and our faith and to discern the wisdom of a situation. And I think that that makes sense, right? There, it makes sense that there are times, like back to the, the fool example, there, it makes sense that there are times when it's important for us to to be quiet, to to not to not get hooked into something that's going on. And there's times when we need to step up and we need to like engage, um, something that's going on. And that, that is a beautiful, um, divine work Hmm. and it's, and it's complicated, but it's, it's, a it requires like a listening posture. It requires, I think about like one of our anchors at seeds, like taking time to listen, um, for wisdom as opposed to like just looking for the right answer hmm. and whether that's about parenting or about, you know, a work situation or somebody on Facebook that is spewing or whatever, mm-hmm. This is the work of wisdom. This is the, yeah, this, this is the sacred responsibility. So to be honest, it sounds, sounds like a lot of hard work to 
engage life and the Bible in this way. And some people might say, yeah, no, I, I don't buy that. Um, the Bible is God's word. It's meant to be clear. And I'm just going to try to figure out how I can make the Bible work for me as a real clear document. And people on, on maybe the other side of that conversation would say, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. Um, I think I'm just going to try to figure it out on my own. I'm just going <laughs> to, I don't think I need to, to engage the Bible. Um, so what would Pete, Pete Ann say about that? Like, uh, how do we, like, what keeps us from just sort of abandoning the scriptures as something that's going to lead us into wisdom? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the things that um, one of the things that impacted me about the chapter, and I'm I'm not sure if it's necessarily answering your question. I hope I hope it is. But um, one of the things that happens when we understand that it's an ancient book, for instance, you know, like the book of Proverbs, it's ancient. It's not written for a 21st century kind of society. Um, but even, even the, the writing of it, there are things that, that we need to transpose, right? That we are, I think that's language that he uses in this chapter mm -hmm. is that it actually, um, it gets transposed for, it, it, it is a book for everybody. It's, it's not ancient and irrelevant. It's mm. ancient and, and is being transposed as an active kind of living document, um, text that has something for us, but we have to, we have to, um, be in for the work of that. Mm. And I, I think, I mean, I, I understand that, that, that is hard work. Um, but that there's value in, in taking what was originally written and, and, uh, kind of entering into that exploration of it. So, um, I think that there's things for, for us to connect with in that. Hmm. Um, so near the end of the chapter, after, kind of describing some of the ambiguities and diversities and the kind of old ways of thinking around um, things like parenting, dealing with fools and finances, Pete sort of makes a shift and, um, and he invites us into, um, well, the very kind of approach that's important for dealing with Proverbs, that is, we need to find find wisdom in the, in the sort of the struggle and in the, and in the investigation of the Proverbs. Um, he kind of makes a statement that, well, the very way that we are invited to interact with the Proverbs is actually the same kind of approach that is demanded of the whole Bible, not just Proverbs, which is a wisdom book, but that a wisdom approach is something that we need to take to the rest of the scriptures. And, to talk a bit about that, he makes this connection between um, the wisdom that we are seeking in our lives and the wisdom that was created by God and kind of where that came from. Do you want to say a bit more about, about that whole aspect? Um, 
this is some stuff that I found really helpful in thinking about how the pursuit of wisdom is actually something worth pursuing in relationship to the Bible. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to actually read a little bit from his book on page 45. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about it. Uh, because Pete says, it's a shame that talking about wisdom takes us into some abstract territory, um, like a life force or being with God at the beginning. But it is exactly wisdom like this that we need to live well in this unscripted, unpredictable, out of control, disordered existence of ours. Think of it this way, the same way, the same wisdom that was with God when God ordered creation, Genesis 1, is available to us. Just pause there. The same, that same wisdom that was with God at the beginning is available to us. That means it's like accessible as we seek to order the chaos of our lives. Wow, that's actually a, quite a powerful statement. Yeah. Do you want to unpack that a little bit and <laughs> say a bit more about that? I mean, I, that's like, quite a that's quite a statement that Like that moves me. That mm. and I can't I don't even know if I can articulate that because it it feels like it moves it moves me. Um, but not in a very logical, like it's again, you have to access it like a totally different way of approaching faith than looking for answers. When you're saying that the, that the wisdom of God at the beginning of time is, is, is available to us as we seek it in, in our disordered chaos is like, there's something mis mystical and mysterious about that, but there's also something that is like connected. It's like, <laughs> hmm. it's ancient, like so ancient, but it's like right here. It's yeah. like closer than the, the heart beating in my chest. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't know how to unpack that except that, um, I don't know what, well, I don't know. I'm curious about what it does in you. I, for, for me, it's just like, Um, it's something that I almost feel like in awe of. Hmm. It feels like it draws me. Yeah. It, I mean, the thing that, that connects for me about that is it almost like it just elevates everyday life Yeah. into something much bigger than that. It's not about like, well, look, just got to get the right answer. And I mean, like. I'm a, the kind of person that likes to find the right way. What's the right answer? What's the right way to live? Like, I care a lot about that. And this is freeing because it's like, it's so, it's like you said, elevates. It elevates the conversation. It elevates the experience of walking through this life. Yeah. I really, I really like the quote you, you chose. Um, I, it was, it was new learning for me from Pete's chapter to learn that in in the in the Jewish wisdom tradition the people who are responsible for putting together the you know the books of the Old Testament and that understanding for them they had a perspective that wisdom divine wisdom was present in the very beginning even before the creation so Genesis 1 um there was a chaos and the spirit of God 
hovered over the chaos and brought order to the chaos. And that there was an understanding that wisdom was alongside of God in that project of mm -hmm. creating. And, um, and actually, there's, a, there's another quote. It's actually a scripture from Proverbs that, that Pete quotes. Um, and uh, it says this, that wisdom enters human souls and makes them friends of God. And mm -hmm. so that when we as people partake in the process and the journey of finding wisdom in our life, that actually it's actually a relational thing that's going on. We're actually becoming closer to God in that process because to be close to God is to be close to wisdom. And so it's kind of like um, we spent quite a bit of time this past year in our own community talking about the connection between God and love and love being God and God being love. And that when you're interacting with either God or love, you're interacting with the other side of that equation. And so here it's kind of like God equals wisdom wisdom equals God. And so if we are wrestling with divine wisdom, we are in relationship with God. That seems like a really, um, again, it elevates what it means to live a wise life mm -hmm. and to parent wisely and to manage your money wisely. There's something more going on here. It's and, like, it's sorry. Both, oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's both like intimate and incomprehensible. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a big deal. Like it's, yeah. it's a big deal, but it's also, it's very personal, very personal. And for me, it like creates a breath in me, like a deeper breath, you know, if it's bigger than just getting it right. Yeah. Like, like you said, it's, it feels like it's moving you. It's, yeah. there's some energy there. There's a, there's something, there's life in this, in this pursuit. And so it feels like that is a big part of, you know, why it's really not helpful for us to simply settle for, well, just give me the answers. Just tell me like it is. Come on, Bible. Bible says we should do it. We should obey it kind of idea. Or on the other hand, to throw up our hands and say, too much work. I don't want to have anything to do with it because there's something more at stake in this engagement. Mm -hmm. And, um, the other thing that I just, I just wanted to highlight that was, I found really impacting for me too, as people who follow Jesus is that, um, in the new Testament, the understanding was that Jesus was now taking the place of wisdom in this equation. So, um, God and wisdom are together and Jesus is holding the place of wisdom and that and Jesus is known as God with us. And so um, I was just thinking about sometimes people interact with Jesus and say, well, was he just a, a wise teacher or was Jesus the son of God? This kind of this kind of um, debate about who Jesus was. And it in this context, it makes me say the statement, Jesus is just a wise teacher as being like just a wise teacher. It sounds like being a wise teacher is actually means that Jesus was imbued with the wisdom of God and, and actually didn't just represent that wisdom, but actually uh, embodied it yeah. in a significant way. And, and so when we interact with Jesus, the wise teacher we are in, we are actually interacting with God yeah, and that. God's wisdom. And so there's, 
Um, just feels like there's something really, like you said, mysterious, something really at the spiritual level that we're being invited into here. And this wrestle with the text and with the Bible, there's something more that we're actually, we can trust that is going to happen for us in this interaction. Something bigger is going on here. And we're all, we're all looking for wisdom, you know, for small things and big things. We're always like, Oh, what should we do about this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can think of like five or six things this week. It's like, what's the, what's the right response or how, how should we move forward with this? And this is, you know, the life of faith is the pursuit of wisdom and Jesus is is wisdom god is wisdom at the beginning of creation and we are co-creators with with that with god in that hmm. so that's a that's like a that's exciting <laughs> yes it's very exciting well maybe maybe that's a good place to leave this conversation with the excitement of the pursuit of wisdom in our life and in engagement with the scriptures. Yeah. The next chapter is kind of takes us into God's laws. Um, evasive and fidgety little buggers <laughs> as Pete ends describes it in chapter three. Sounds like uh, a lot of fun. We will get into that next week. And, um, once again, thanks for joining us in this conversation. Um, there's so much to learn, there's so much to wrestle with, and there's so many questions. And uh, we are glad that you're a part of this as we are defining our relationship to the Bible. So see you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>